Hi, and welcome back to the Fenditon Gallery podcast with me, Hannah Munby. This episode features a recent conversation with Otis Blees, who is one of three recent graduates from the Royal Drawing School that will be exhibited in the Fenditon Gallery Voices in Drawing exhibition this autumn. Otis completed a drawing and printmaking degree at Bristol UWE before going on to study on the prestigious drawing year at the Royal Drawing School. Having grown up in rural Cornwall and on moving to Bristol and then London to study, he says he finally found the context for the energetic lines that had begun to emerge in his work. This conversation explores Otis's inspirations and motivations behind his work, how he coped being flung back into rural life during the pandemic and what's next for this young emerging artist. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation and do visit the Voices and Drawing exhibition in person or online between the 10th and 26th of September 2021. So thank you very much for coming on to chat to me um, and obviously we're very much looking forward to having your work in the Voices and Drawing exhibition. Do you want to tell us a bit about you um, and your work and how it started really? Yeah, so it started, I feel like I've been drawing my whole life, I'd say, like as, as long as I can remember. My mum's a jewellery designer, so I feel like that has always influenced me quite a lot. She's got quite a creative uh, mind and sort of has her own creative output. So I've always been sort of, yeah, I don't know, quite influenced by seeing her make that work in her life. So, yeah, and so she studied sculpture at at uni and so I've always been and my brother's a photographer and my dad's into music so I've always been surrounded by quite creative people um so then yeah I started studying at GCSE and then studied art at A levels then went to uni studied drawing and printmaking at um Bristol and then went from there on to the uh, drawing year at the Royal Drawing School so it's just been a constant just constantly studying art, constantly practicing art in my own my own time. And yeah, just always been really interested in it and just kept it going, really. So I know you talk a bit about your childhood being in Cornwall and then this kind of transition to, you know, London being a very different like environment. So so how do you think your early work was was influenced more by the kind of rural Cornwall as opposed to these sort of cosmopolitan cities like Bristol and London. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it did. My work changed quite a lot coming to London in particular. I feel like when I was living in Cornwall, particularly in my foundation year and and a bit before, I was doing a lot of drawings of trees and paintings of trees and like very like landscapey rural settings. But they always had this like quite, quite dark edge to them. I guess quite an angsty sort of teenage feel to them, like quite, quite like black and white and very scribbly. And I feel you like that's what wait I started to escape the uh, the rural countryside. <laughs> yeah, I think so. A sort of yeah. I guess when you're that age and you're growing up in a rural setting, you feel a bit like pent up and yeah, it's it's a funny one. I had such a great childhood. Um, in Cornwall but then yeah when, yeah in your teenage years it can be quite um I guess it's quite isolated and so I, I think that affected my drawings a bit maybe that's when I started to get quite scribbly and 
um, started to see glimmers of the like energetic line that I've I've started to get now. Um, but yeah, so I was drawing a lot of trees, a lot of like yeah, a lot of landscapes. And then when I moved to London, I feel like I found the the context for that scribbly line that I'd started, and I so I could draw the the uh, city, the streets, the like cars, and it just felt like the setting where there was so much going on that I could just um, almost match it to my quick hand, if you know what I mean. So was, well, yeah, yeah, there's certainly a lot going on in, you know, a city and, you know, inspirational, I suppose, in different ways, but that's nice to, I like the way that you've just matched that line to the movement that you then found. So that's really, that's really lovely. So, mm. so the Royal Drawing School, let's talk about that. So you obviously completed that year I mean, originally, I think you were meant to complete it in 2020, were you? It was, I, yeah, 20. Yeah, it was meant to be 2020. And it got. So you were the year that were in the pandemic, as they say. Um, so how did that obviously will come on to and maybe how the pandemic affected that? But how did the, the drawing year, how did that affect your work? Um because I know you have to be very productive, don't you? And just continue to draw and draw and draw. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it was a quite an intensive year. Um, and you just, yeah, you're constantly drawing, like you say. And I feel like I went through like stages in, at the Royal Drawing School where you you were drawing so much that actually you, you almost started to feel a little bit um, like you might get a bit lazy. So then you'd have to really sort of kick yourself back into gear again. So you felt that like, it's almost like you could see the fluctuations of people say about going through like an artist block. It felt like you could fully see when you're going into one and work out how to just draw your way through it. And it kind of taught me how to, to see it as you've got to just get all the bad drawings out of you until you arrive at the good one, which is quite like helpful thing to discover I'm um, sure there's plenty of artists that would quite like that skill as well to be able to just yeah like push through an artist block in whatever artistic you know medium you're in that sounds yeah. really great I think that the key is just to keep keep doing stuff like never to um just stagnate and like pause and freeze I feel like I'm always trying to do stuff now even if I feel like I'm blocked it's um yeah, I figured out sort of tactics to, like, for example, I was drawing, made so many drawings on the course that I had piles of them and lots of them were like unusable drawings, ones that had like become ready for the bin one way or another. And I felt, I just I, uh, made this system where I could fold them and I started making like sculptures out of them. So I started making these paper buildings. So I started this um, sort of conveyor belt of work where I could, make lots of work when works didn't work out I put them in a pile for the houses and they'll become sculptures so I was trying to be like yeah I could recycle my own work in its yeah in different forms yeah that's a lovely idea and they were some of the pieces that we saw obviously when we came down to the the grad show and the um well it, it was your open studio grad show wasn't it yeah, I like yeah. that idea of of using you know like you say, these unusable drawings, which I'm sure to you would probably unusable, but I'm sure to other people they wouldn't be. But that's all part of the artistic kind of um, trying yeah. to whittle things down, isn't it? You know, you need to be selective with the work that you put out to the world. 
So yeah. the works that we are going to be showing in the um, Voices in Drawing exhibition, obviously yeah. we've got a bit of a range and some of them are uh, some of your larger works, which are, I mean, the energy is just fantastic in them and there's so much movement. So do you want to tell us a bit about those pieces in particular? Yeah, sure. So those pieces were, um, I think I started making work um, so I started making studies, like charcoal studies from um, Ed, Edward Moybridge, um, the, you know, the photographer, and he did sort of like, um, what's the word, like montage? Yeah, he did the movement of the, I studied photography, so yeah, Moybridge yeah. is definitely someone that we <laughs> came across many times. Yeah, he did <laughs> yeah, the yeah. kind of, um, kept like sort of stop motion almost, wasn't it, of horses and things? Yeah, horses and people walking and... So I got a book of his photography and it's just such a useful tool to have in the studio because you just have literally just um, lots of different pages of people in different positions. So I started doing charcoal drawings from that book and then put the charcoal drawings on the wall and then started making the larger works from those studies. And each time I'd, I might um, take a figure from one photo and then take a figure from a different photo but put them in the same scene and that would create these own my own little scenes basically with the figures um, and then so the the large works are made uh, by I stretch paper onto wood and um, onto a board and then allow that to dry so when it's it's stretched so that I can paint on it and collage onto it without it getting rumpled or uh, buckling um, and then I just just work was working from the charcoal studies onto the stretched wood using pastel ink um, acrylic uh, collage like lots of different things and just like um, yeah sort of combining it all on the surface and the good thing about the stretch paper is that I can block in like large bits of collage so if I feel like it hasn't worked out then I can sort of reduce it back to a simple background and work back on top of that. Because I always like to basically try and keep my work looking fairly clear, like clean. I don't like it when it gets overworked, but I still want to obviously work into it a lot. So I found this like quite a useful method to do that. Um, yeah. And is that always a fine line, do you find as an artist, that point where you think, okay, now is the moment to stop. Now is the point in which I shouldn't go any further, which inevitably I'm sure lots of artists find, you know, can't find that point very easily. So yeah. that's part of the skill, I suppose. It's the hard, yeah, it's one of the hardest bits. It's one of the challenges. It's what kind of makes it exciting, I think, is that, um, yeah, you're like gambling with yourself as you're working on your work. And the amount of times I've, I've been so near to finishing something and then done one thing, and then that one thing snowballs into just the whole thing. Uh, being ruined is yeah it's quite tragic when that happens but it's like <laughs> part of the part of the thrill when you get it right I suppose but, um, but and yeah. I suppose that it must be because your work is so fluid and energetic it must be easy to just keep going on them and keep sort of especially I mean if you're inspired by Edward Moybridge then you know his his work is all about movement and so it's um it must be very difficult to suddenly think, right, no more, no more movement, no more <laughs> gestures, no yeah. more anything. So, yeah, yeah. oh, that's that's very interesting. So so what sort of materials are you using for the collage side of things then? So that is 
um, it's just different sorts of paper. I started buying this really thin, you know, like computer paper that you just put in your printer. So you can get um, like a sort of off-white printer paper and it's like 90 GSM, so it's really thin. And so that I can collage, uh, it's like A3 and I can collage big bits onto my works without it getting too thick on the surface, you know, so I can keep collaging it. So it's sort of like painting. It's like I'm using these big flat blocks of off-white as blocks of pigment in a way. Um, so I use those, but then I also use drawings that I've done, like that I've chopped up and it's all a bit of that sort of moving different pieces of the puzzle around until you think it might fit. And also something that I do is a bit of um, mono printing style thing. So I'll paint um, gouache onto a bit of tracing paper and then lay paper onto that and take an imprint of that and then see if that fits onto the work. So it's just a little bit of little bit of everything really. So you're really kind of building up the layers from from this, you know, stretched piece of piece of paper. That's really interesting and and you know different techniques that go into it. Um you know is is really lovely and you can see from the final pieces that there are textural elements to it and there's different kind of mediums and and different um I think you mentioned pastels and paints and things and they all create such lovely textures and different textures which you know, goes into into creating the final piece. Yeah. So other than Moybridge, what what else is, you know, what really inspires you? What else would you say is a kind of um, this is my starting point. This is where I'm going to start my process from. Yes. It's a good question because it's, <laughs> it's kind of a lot of things. It's like um, it can be any, it can be music, it can be books and film it's, it is a bit of everything and also a lot of artists as well a lot of um going to exhibitions and seeing going to like the Tate Britain I love going there and seeing the old sort of 1950s paintings and or 50s onwards um yeah and I suppose just like I, I carry a sketchbook around with me everywhere and I just note down things that people say do drawings of people out and about. And I, I feel like I have, at the moment, it feels like three different sort of practices. So I have my studio practice, which is um, much the work that's in the Fenditton show is made in that um, setting. And then I have my etching, my printmaking, where I go out and I take, do drawings outside on the, on the street of people and then and sometimes draw straight onto the etching plate. Um, so I have that practice and then I have my paper houses, my paper buildings. So it's like these three different paths and it depends which, it's weird, it's, I can't even really think when I decide to do which one. It's just like, I guess it's just naturally like which one I feel most inspired to do at that given time. Do you think you're in a certain environment when you're most inspired to do do one or the other I suppose because your buildings are you know I suppose you have to be in quite an urban environment to maybe feel inspired to create that yeah. or maybe it's the opposite maybe that's when you're in Cornwall and you're thinking oh my yeah. god I really want to be back in London I'm going to start yeah. building these like high-rise um buildings and sculptures and things yeah it's funny because it is that's when I started making the houses is when I was back in Cornwall 
during the first lockdown. Yeah. I think it must have been a slight, either um, like I was missing the buildings or I was, I think I was more, I was processing the buildings because it was just after my, the first term or maybe the second term. And then I guess once you've been absorbed in a city for so long and then you suddenly go to the, the countryside and it was locked down. So everyone's, everyone was thinking really deeply and um, intensely. So I think, yeah, just started making houses just quite randomly, but it's, I've kept it going. I think it'll be something I'll, I'll just keep going as like a back burner. Um, one, because it's a nice way of recycling paper, but also it's just a nice, I just quite like making things. And actually that's something that's interesting is it's kind of crossed over into the larger works that I do in the, in the studio is I'm starting to play with the paper a bit more and starting to almost sculpt it onto the work. So I think maybe a couple of the pieces in the Fenditton show, you can see it if you go up close to them, you can see that it's, there's so many layers that it's almost becoming a bit sculptural on the surface. And so I, I quite like that. And I, I really like paper as a material. I think I find it which is not usually a very traditional um, sculptural material. You know, it's not often thought as something that if you were going to make a sculpture, oh, well, you know, here's some paper. That's not, you know, quite, well, not a very traditional way of, of building sculpture, certainly. So we touched a bit on the pandemic. So obviously you were probably midway through your second term, were you, when you were flung back to Cornwall? Um, having been locked out of your studio and your um, course did you carry on doing things virtually was the course able to continue in some way yeah yeah there was um they were actually really great the school they they just very quickly tried to um change their yeah the way they run ran things and started up the zoom lessons um so I think that was almost maybe um, three weeks after the pandemic has started, they, they already sort of figured out how to do that. Um, and then, yeah, it was quite a strange summer as it was for everyone. Um, and I think the work, my work was quite strange during that period. It was very, um, suddenly all became very colorful and very like optimistic is, which is weird. Cause oh, that's interesting. I think everyone else went the, the other way, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, I don't know. It's like I've spoken to a few people on my course and a lot of them did sim like maybe not really optimistic work, but just were making really weird, quite just different work that they normally make. Yeah. And so I was doing a lot of really colourful, colourful work, lots of still lifes, drawing, um, yeah, plants and teapots and things like that. <laughs> but I haven't, haven't done that again since. But yeah, it was... Um, well, I suppose everyone had to look a little bit closer to for their um, inspiration, didn't they? It needed to be what was at home as opposed to yeah, yeah. out and about. So, so you say you haven't carried on with that work. So, have yeah. you taken anything from that from that period of you know your creating that you think, other than your houses have got your buildings, of course, which were um, have continued. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing is the buildings. Because uh, when I made the first one, I didn't didn't know what it was I'd made I was like oh, that's kind of interesting but <laughs> I feel like it's often like that when you make something you you like you when you first see it you're like a bit confused by it and then I don't know slowly got used to it and I was like okay I think that's interesting um but yeah the houses is 
the yeah the biggest thing from the lockdown that I've taken I think um and in terms of the work although I said I was making really colorful work which I was doing a bit before because I went um, on a, I did a residency in Mexico in 2019 and that had a big effect on my like color palette because it's really it was a really bright colorful city yeah. it was in Oaxaca and um, I think after Mexico so all the works in the Fenditton show are um, post Mexico so you can see they're all quite quite bright and yeah. um, have a yeah, I have quite a strong colour palette. So I feel like, although the colourful works I was making in lockdown, that is something I was doing already. Yeah, I don't know. I say just the buildings I've taken from from the lockdown. So yeah. just, so I didn't know that you'd done a um, a residency in Mexico. So what was what was that? Do you want to tell us a bit about that? So that was um, so it's a program called Obra Cadabra, um, and it's in Oaxaca, and it's basically a month month-long residency and um, you stayed in this nice sort of old colonial house um, in the center of the city and yeah it's just a place where they just gave you a studio and you just worked there for a month and met eight like eight other artists and just had such a good time it's just that sounds great it's yeah. such a great place to draw and and it really I feel like that was another thing that added energy to my work as well. It kind of added this like sort of optimistic palette and um, yeah, I got really into going to like wrestling matches, like the Lucha Libre. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got, we've got one of the wrestler pieces, haven't we actually in the, Yeah. I think we've got one of the wrestler works in in the gallery. So yeah. yeah. um, that, I'll have to look be, at that again with I'm completely sure. different light, knowing that they are Mexican wrestlers. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. But so, yeah, um, was- so having worked obviously in a group of artists there, or being you know, and then also kind of having this disparity on on your course between having um, some time working in the presence of all your other colleagues uh, all your other contemporaries and then also then obviously having to go on to zoom and trying to kind of inspire each other to carry on how did that do you do you think that um you know do you think that you thrive working with other people or or having a supportive network of artists around you like being on the, the drawing year mm, yeah I, f- I think that was possibly my favorite thing about the drawing year was the people um and meeting all the just really like-minded and really de- dedicated people. I think I've, it's it's really motivating to see everyone at the studios like making mistakes as well. I always found that quite, if you're isolated by yourself, you start to forget that a big part of the practice is making lots of mistakes. And so I remember having that in the lockdown just started being really self-critical about my work and then after the lockdown coming back to the studio and just seeing the studio and everyone's sort of um unfinished attempts and all the sort of you just felt that experimental atmosphere again and it was yeah yeah it reminded me oh yeah it doesn't all have to be perfect on the first go it's like 
it's all, always a work in progress and, and if it wasn't then you wouldn't have had your buildings so you would have never made these yeah. these sculptures so there we go it was all part of the natural process yeah um okay. that's great so I mean I guess my final question is is what's next for you Otis now that you've graduated for, or you've done your postgrad at the um drawing the drawing school what what's your plans next what are you hoping that the next sort of few years will bring um so it's, yeah it's been quite a hard year to plan because it's been obviously like yeah you, it's hard to predict but it's start things are starting to uh like me and three others have started renting a studio um in hackney so okay i've now got a play because i've been working in my room for for a few months now and it's it's not conducive at the moment it's <laughs> too much so this is going to be a i'm really excited to start working in that studio um just want to keep making work keep making this uh, i'm going to go onwards from the body of work that's in the Fenditton show the the larger works i think yeah. keep making and um, works in that in that body see where that goes keep doing the houses um i'm doing a exhibition in october on the, the 10th of october which is in a in a big warehouse and there it's like with lots of other artists i'm showing about 30 of the buildings in there okay. so that's, that's exciting yeah um and yeah other than that just keep cracking i think keep cracking on and <laughs> trying to make work and yeah keep making mistakes and learning from the mistakes and are these yeah. other artists that you're working with at the studio are they from the drawing year as well yeah they all are yeah oh, brilliant all four of us oh that's great yeah. no it's, it's great it's, we all know that we can work together in the same environment and and also the fact that we all we all sort of work in the same same way because the drawing school is quite a select it's quite a particular way of working and it's it's often like painters who don't really use paint it's kind of that like papery yeah but we're all starting to experiment with sculpture and and painting so it's, it's cool we're all we're all experimenting together and learning off each other I always think it's amazing. Like I, I, I worked before I came and back to Cambridge. I was working in London at Wimbledon Art Studios, and um, we we didn't quite hit the the sort of straight out of uni grad market. We did have a few stu uh, like st um, studios that were rented to to graduates, but mostly it was kind of a bit more established artists. Or, and um, it was it was always amazing how like supportive they all were of each other and and actually just the productivity when you work in an environment where you can say to someone like you're saying actually have I done something wrong with this or when do you think I should stop or what do you think I should do next and actually being able to kind of help each other have that conversation with yourself like because at the end of the day it's your decision they're just kind of giving their thoughts or or being able to provide some sort of kind of guidance or help or um yeah. or even just like sharing a coffee with them in the morning or whatever I know that the yeah. artists there just found that so lovely and it sounds like you're kind of drawn to that sort of environment as well where you've got you know a group of people that you can um all support each other and and obviously it's a huge step you were kind of now going 
um, you know, unless you're planning on doing any more education, you know, you've now left education and, and this is the next thing for you. So um, yeah. I really wish you all the best with it. And um, yeah, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to be back in the studio and not having to paint in your bedroom, which I'm sure was very challenging. So yeah, yeah. no, it's going to be good. Not yeah, just like the mess, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like you say, it's um, things like doing the crypts together as students often was actually the most beneficial thing. So now we, we just keep doing that. We just keep yeah. doing our own little informal crypts. And yeah. Yeah, no. And your cool. work will develop you know, well, I'm saying this more quickly, that's not necessarily to say that it wouldn't have done if you're working on your own, but, you know, having four opinions and four challenges and things like that, well, you know, is, is such an important um, driver, I suppose, for you to kind of keep going as well. And also you're accountable. If you don't turn up to the studio for a few days, someone's going to go, why you haven't been in? So yeah. <laughs> make the most of your studio rent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. Um, and yeah, we look forward to um, showing your work next month. And of course, you'll be at the private yeah. view, which is very exciting. Um, yeah. And it'll be really nice to have you there. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fenditon Gallery podcast. If you would like to find out more about our upcoming exhibitions, please visit our website, fenditongallery.com. If you enjoyed this interview, I would really appreciate it if you could take the time to like and subscribe. You'll also find other episodes featuring some of the other artists and makers that we've had the pleasure of showing at the gallery. Thank you. <laughs>